Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Gospel According to Stupid. I'm Johnny Waters, and this is my podcast. This is the podcast where I read the Bible for the very first time from beginning to end. Uh, and we're in Second Kings right now, as well as getting some lovely emails from Jehovah's Witnesses uh, as of recently. Um, and I think I left off on the 9th. I think that was like Friday or something like that. Um, I'm not sure if I've actually read these ones, so I've got quite a bit of an update as far as um, emails are concerned. And most of them are lengthy from me, and then we'll we'll get to um, where, we're, where we're at in the Bibble and, and see what's going on uh, in that particular world. And as I recall, things are kind of turning around because, uh, well, last I kind of recall is uh, we had a guy just kill a bunch of kids with a bear and... And he's, you know, trying to follow God's thing, and it, it it seems to be working out okay. I think it's it's better than most. Um. Anyway, so I'm trying to get an education from this uh, Jehovah's Witness, and um, I think I posted the link. I don't really quite remember, but uh, we'll see. Um. So I mean, if this is the same for you, then um. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. Um. Let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, yeah, because when was the ninth? Friday? Something like that? Yeah, must have been. Because um, I think I caught you guys up with uh, the fourth. So it's been about a, like a weekly announcement sort of thing. Um, and then we get to learn about 1914, apparently. Now, that's a big event. So here they go. Uh, so, John, you might ask yourself uh, why we need a new world. I don't know if I remember asking that, but... Yeah. This world is becoming more and more dangerous. Humans can't get rid of all these problems, no matter how hard they try. But God will soon destroy this wicked world during his war of Armageddon, and he will replace it with a righteous new world. Revelation 16, 14-16, they are in fact expressionless, inspired by demons, and they perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited earth to gather them together to the war of the great day of God uh, the Almighty. Look, I am coming as a thief. Happy is the one who stays awake and keeps his outer garments, so that he may not walk naked, and people look upon his shamefulness. And they gathered them together to the place that is called in Hebrew Armageddon. So, when this wicked system is done away with, you might ask, who will be the chosen king of God's kingdom? I, sure. Uh, Jehovah chose Jesus Christ to be the king of his heavenly government or kingdom. Thousands of years ago, Jonathan, the Bible foretold that Jesus would rule as Prince of Peace and that his government would never end. Isaiah 9, 6-7 for a child has been born to us, a child has been given to us, and the rulership will rest on his shoulder. Uh, the name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, to the increase of his rulership and to peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and on his kingdom, in order to establish it firmly and to sustain it through justice and righteousness, from now on and forever. The zeal of Jehovah of armies will do this. Hmm. Uh, Jesus taught his followers to pray for this government when he said, Let your kingdom come, let your will take place, as in heaven also on earth, Matthew 6.10. Daniel 2.44 tells us that heavenly government, in the days of these kings, earthly kings or rulers, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom in heaven that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be passed on in any other people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, earthly ones, and it alone will stand forever. Then John 
Uh, God's kingdom, when set up here on earth after Armageddon, will make the place into a beautiful paradise. Is that new world near, Jonathan? P.S. You thought 1914 was a typo. No, it wasn't, Jonathan. That year can be calculated using Bible chronology. Uh-huh. And, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> she likes to put my name a lot. 1914 is when God's heavenly kingdom uh, was set up after Satan and his hordes were ousted from heaven. Historians, not Bible scholars, all agree that the world changed in 1914. If you want to learn about the year 1914, please go to this website, jw.org, and through type uh, 1914. I did. Uh, and it's basically like, hey, World War I happened, and it's such a big event that it must be biblical, essentially. Um, so, uh, I'll put it out here. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, I may. So, this is me. Uh, responding back. I may be answering these things backwards, but bear with me. So this might be good for you folks listening at home. Um, I send off the link. I'm like, are you talking about this? Uh, because most of the article it's citing seems to be more past that point, referencing the Second World War, etc. Not saying that 1914 is not a significant time because, you know, World War One. But I'm still a little lost how this event, big as it is, is not at all biblical. And then to have another, and then still, a hundred plus years later, we are seeing no real end of times. Strife, suffering. The world is rough and crazy, sure. But end of times, I have my doubts. Because this isn't the first instance of genocide in history. Maybe racial, gen racial genocide, but I'm not a historian. Uh, but I am curious uh, to look it up on Google and see. I didn't. It was only a matter of time that we had a world war with the interconnectivity happening between ships sailing and science growing and eventually Lindbergh flying. Science moves us forward, but ye old primitive nature still resides to have to kill each other a little before we, have, uh, we can live and have some sense of peace. Still, huge events, world-altering. But so was gunpowder, the printing press, the wheel. Where is the end of times then? Did I ask if we needed a new world? I asked what God was waiting for, sure, but I don't know if I want or need a hard reset on what is going on. It may be the first wonder of, uh, I, it may be first worlder of me, but I got a pretty good gig going here. I'm not deaf to the cries of the world, but I will admit to my inactivity and guilt in that field. Have I done anything? Not really. Could I? Sure. Will I? God knows. Why, uh, why, can't, God, why can't humans solve this world? We put ourselves here. Why can't we pull ourselves out? Maybe I have more faith in humanity than I have with the Almighty. Why put the fate of the world into the hands of a creator who, as far as I can tell, hasn't had a prophet for how long? Like a real one? Sicking bears on kids, sort of prophet. The kind of prophet God likes to have lions chow down on for small infractions. And who is to say these days who is righteous? God, sure, but if he's supposed to forgive everyone from our earthly discussions, there is no need of hell. Certainly makes the armies of hell less, sure, and gains heaven some creatively, cure, uh, creatively cruel minds. Also, why now? Why not this, uh, why not this thought the same... Uh, why not the same thought, the same when polio came out, the Great War, as you referenced, or even those in bondage in Egypt land? Was the 1914 because it was global? It was new. It was the same game, but on a bigger scale. Well, there was fear then, too. Why would now or then be any different? Now, if there was a plague that turned people inside out and immediately exploded, you bet I'd hop on the end of the world train immediately. So far, not quite. December is coming, though, and I'll keep my eyes and ears open. 
Now we are back to governments. I can give you that the heavenly government ought to be a good one. But to generalize that all earthly governments are run by Satan, as you put before, seems wrong. Because, again, that would mean worldwide corruption. And those who follow government at all are subjected to Satan and therefore evil, right? No, never mind that most of them claim to be good Christians and even lauded as the next coming of Christ. That was when, like, I saw some things about, like, Trump is next Jesus, which, you know, eh, mm -hmm. without the holes of the... Uh, Next coming of Christ, without the holes in the wrists and feet. I'm doubting Thomas on that. Uh, the whole thing doesn't work. It, doesn't give you, it does give you someone to blame, which can be a good thing when merited, but it doesn't seem to me that a majority of government employees, leaders, and so on work for Satan. Why not something bonkers and really scary like scientists, people who are developing technology? Why government exactly? It will crush and put an end to these kingdoms, earthly ones, and it alone will stand forever. So, no welcoming to the fold. Destruction. It seems we have an impasse between a forgiving God of people and a destructive God of earthly invention and hierarchy. Now, I can buy that it's just a nice wording of the heavenly kingdom uh, will be the only one, sure, but it still doesn't sound like people will die. It still does sound like people will die. Will they, too, be forgiven after being smited by the Almighty Smiter? And when is Armageddon? 2012? Went and passed. I saw a reference to 2520, it's in that article, something about how the end of the world is supposed to be around 2520, I think in that article. So this doesn't affect me in the slightest, does it? And if there's another great war, number three, the one we are supposed to be predisposed to sticks and stones for the fourth world war, will God come down? Or will he be as passive as the last two? Let the humans sort themselves out, I'll forgive them up here. <clears throat> Regardless, I cannot live in fear of something that I don't really think is coming in my lifetime. Honestly, it colors too much in my life to be afraid. FDR said the only thing I, we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Sounds fair and fine to me. I don't think that new world is near. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it won't happen. As epic as it sounds, I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime. I hope to see it in a cloudy abode, sure, but I just don't see the reasoning or facts. You've given me much to think on me. Uh, so uh, the they give an answer back, but it's it's a little in between of everything I've I've done, so it's a little tough for me to go back through it again, which is fucking dumb. But well, here we go. <clears throat> uh, so let's see. Uh, they respond, J J John, uh, World War I in itself is not biblical, but only points to a starting point where the world as we knew it had changed. Prior to this date of 1914, the world had a, sem a semblance of peace. But when Satan was ousted from heaven, when Jehovah's time for setting up his heavenly kingdom had arrived. <laughs> Bullshit. Um, then they put this thing. Um, then I ask you, God, no. Uh, referring back to Daniel 2.44, we read that Jehovah was set up as heavenly kingdom during the days of those kings. And remember, Jesus told his followers to pray for the heavenly kingdom that's set up here on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6, 9 to 10. Talking about a new world being near to Second uh, Peter 3.13 tells us, But there uh, are new heavens and a new earth that we... Uh, Fuck, where was it? Now, new heaven, new earth, that we are awaiting according to his promise, and in these righteousness is to dwell. Okay, neat. 
This does not mean that the current earth will be done away with, but only this system of things as we know it will be done away with. Isaiah 65:17 goes on and tells us this, For look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be called to mind, nor will they come up to, into our heart. Hmm. Sometimes when the Bible talks about the earth, it's talking about the people who live on the earth. Thanks. Uh, Genesis 11.1 Now all the earth continued to be of one language and of one set of words. So the righteous new earth refers to all people who obey God and are blessed by him. Jesus promised that those who live in God's new world be given everlasting life. Mark 10.30 lets us know this. Who will not get a hundred times more now in this period of time? Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields with per, uh, persecutions and in the coming system of things, everlasting life. We might ask ourselves what we must do to receive this gift. Let's read John 3.16, I'm always a fan of that one, and 17.3 to find out the answer. Okay. For, God's lo uh, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone exercising faith in him might not be destroyed, but have everlasting life. Hmm, must be the New International Version. And... This means everlasting life. They're coming to know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. There seems to be some context I'm missing here. Let's find out what the Bible says life will be like in the earthly paradise next time we talk. And I'm like, eh, we're, not, we're still not talking the same language here. Um, so this is the last email I sent and just sent it today. So hopefully I'll send another one of these podcast episodes later this week and we can see what actually goes down. So I sent back. Hey, seems odd to me that 1914 is the year. There has never really been a peace on this world in one way or another. Why not the Civil War? Revolutionary War? Was it just because the world was connected? And why not World War II? The crux of it just doesn't flow well in my mind. Is it because you might have been able to get more information from someone who might have fought, it, uh, fought in it back in the 70s? It's more readily available? The Days of Kings haven't exactly ended, and he said how to pray, which, neat, but... What does that really get us? Talking about the new world coming and uh, the new <laughs> the new world coming and everything getting wiped in the sense of everything you know, both mind and heart, being completely new. So is it erasing? Is it just a reinvention of it? Because it seems rather cruel to have, say, for example, the ideal family having everything wiped uh, and them on their own individual journey after that. But if it's all just an experience and a new understanding, then all right. Sounds plausible to me, even something to reach for. The Earth bit, I assumed. No Christians on Mars, yet. I'm being salty this morning. Must have been the smoke. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke up here. And a house exploded a couple doors, well, not a couple doors, a block or two away. Fucking crazy. Um, everlasting life, and that's for all believers. Dead who have been judged worthy already have the everlasting bit. Everlasting life bit, right? So those who are alive, then the heavenly, when the heavenly host comes down to uh, down, do we slash they die? Is there some spiritual coming out of our bodies into our soul bodies, or is it just come on into the whole heaven hotel? What do you think? Uh, the one language. What language do you suppose that is? Is it the language of religion that everyone should follow one faith? But we have so many who say that they know with the conviction and passion behind it. How do we sort them? Do we cast out those who do not believe, despite being good in all other ways, straight to hell? 
Do they go to limbo, as Dante described it? The honorable good heathens. It's not bad or good, but it's not eternal torture. And if we have someone who has never heard of Christianity or God or anything, do we cast them out just the same? They never had a chance, so it seems unfair to me. But if it's all forgiving all the time and even the worst of us gets to go to heaven, is it really even heaven? I know I chatted about this earlier, but I'm sure we got an, I've, if I got an, I'm not, I'm unsure if I got an answer. Maybe my memory is going up with the smoke. And again, God killed his only son. Does seem like he had a say in the whole thing and seems like a loophole to me that you have to sacrifice perfect for bad and for good. Adam being the bad one, I guess, who gave the world death, pain in pregnancy, and work. But if death is the only way for us to meet our creator, then isn't death a little bit of a good thing? Pain in pregnancy just sucks, but maybe it keeps the race from falling into a race of rabbits. Yet some folks want to continuously push out the next generation, and I say more power to them. Work is actually kind of nice. It fills the day and makes one proud, doesn't it? Because wasn't it also the Bible that says something about idle hands or the devil's playthings? Still feels like God <coughs> still feels like God has to follow some rules that he arbitrarily has to make up. To the detriment of himself and his emotional state. I hope Jesus was on board with the whole sacrifice me bit. Bit of a surprise right after a very nice dinner. If God is all-powerful, could he not simply forgive? He has to go through this odd ritual that requires that sacrifice of his only son, which why wouldn't you, <clears throat> which why wouldn't you make more if you're, you know, God, to save your second creation? I have a hard time buying some of this. I can see that Jesus invoking some ancient rite and pulling back with the whole Adam bit, breaking some ancient rote that God put into place where only Jesus could make it happen. Sounds awesome and better in my mind. But does paint God bad in two ways? One, if he didn't know, he's not God. Two, all those previous generations ought to be pissed that Jesus waited so damn long. I would be. If I were more faithful in finding out that, oh, hey, Jesus didn't come and save your soul, so to hell you go. But I presume there's a heaven and uh, there's a heaven and an entrance exam before you get in then, too. But if you're in the middle, lukewarm, so they say, it becomes pretty hard to get into heaven, right? Anyway, why? God seems pretty vengeful in the whole beginning Old Testament, where suddenly uh, it takes a, his son to turn his own tide. Feels finicky of God. Fickle, maybe, is the better word. Let me know your thoughts, John. So that's where we're at with that. Uh, that was a lengthy amount of time. Um, let's hop into the actual Bible and see if that actually answers any of our questions um, coming up here a moment. Um, so we're in Second Kings, and we go to kingjamesbibleonline.org. And I don't know why we're on chapter 5. Oh, right, because it's 5 and 6. <laughs> we're on chapter 5 of Second Kings. Um, and let's follow along. Let's see what the fuck happens. Because Elisha, as opposed to Elijah, uh, has been kind of the new prophet sort of deal. Um, and it seems like he's a pretty powerful dude a little bit. So let's take a look-see here. Now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because, of him, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Cool. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Fuck, way to, f <laughs> way to trip at the finish line, buddy. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away, captive out of, uh, brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Okay, so, you know, 
you know, you make war, you get slaves, I guess. So we got a maid and helping out Naman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. All right. And one went in and told his lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Assyria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten charges of raiment. I imagine that was really expensive just to show up and be like, Hey, can I borrow your fucking profit? And he brought the letter to the king of Syria, Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Okay, so he just sent everything. <laughs> Off he goes. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Oh, which is actually kind of smart, because we have this king of Israel, who is not the prophet, as far as I can tell, being like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Because maybe he doesn't know he has a prophet on him. And maybe the people do, but he's been up in his little tower of 40 feet by 40 feet, whatever, whatever. And so if he's getting this, all these talents being like, can you help me? Can you help my little captain person be free of leprosy? Here's all this gold. And then it becomes to him like, ah, fuck, this is a really great way for us to go fight in a war. I don't want to do this. How am I supposed to make this work? And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Well, they knew there was a prophet in Israel. That's why they fucking sent him. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha, hopefully holding on to all of his limbs still. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Okay. Um, and Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Uh, sorry, rereading that same one. Uh, seven times you got to wash yourself. And Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper, which is a fair thing to be like. I thought there was going to be more magic to this fucking trick. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He has a good point. And uh, his servants came near and spake unto him, said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not uh, have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, accounting to the, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, unto, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. All right. So he does bring up a good point. Why the fuck Jordan? <laughs> like, what's so great about this particular bit of water that I can't do it in any other ones? And probably sounds like I've done it in others. Why this one? Uh, and he returned to the man of God, he and his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused, because he's probably going to get eaten by something if he takes a goddamn gift. So he's just like, all right, there are, turns out there's only one God, and he's in fucking Israel. Um, 
And Ammon said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules' burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Fair enough. I mean, if I got cured of leprosy, you bet your ass. Uh, if this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow myself uh, down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. Uh, okay. Uh, and he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little away. Okay. So he's like, if I uh, worship in another place, I'm not going to get fucking ripped apart, am I? Eh, whatever. Go in peace, I guess. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. And so Gehazi, so he's just like, I want some fucking payment. And Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there is come from me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver, a talent of silver, and two changes of garments. Seems pretty cheap. And Amon said, Be content, take two talents, fuck it. <laughs> and he urged him, and bound two talents of silver in two bags and with two changes of garments, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. Here you go. And when he came to the tower, he took them uh, from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. All right, come on in and see you around, buddy. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. So he's fucking lying, even though we fucking know. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? <clears throat> Is it a time to receive money, and to receive garments, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servants, and maidservants? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee, as unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper, as white as snow. Holy shit. Now that makes me want to look up leprosy just real fast. That might be a real big, terrible thing that I'm going to be doing. Leprosy. Um, I want to see this shit. So he's white. Oh, this is not pretty. Um, so he's white all the fucking over. Um, maybe I should look up bad leprosy. Oh, white leprosy? Yeah, what's that? <coughs> um, that's just some discoloring. <laughs> white skin. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> some of these Google things are funny. Um, anyway, so he somehow, ah, fuck, he's all white and stuff. Um, and falling a fucking part, <laughs> it seems like. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, let's see. Let's see late stage leprosy. We got a bunch of like growths and things like that and. I know people lose limbs and things, but that's that's about as far as it goes. Like people lose fingers and teeth and eyes and whatever. Um, but nothing crazy terrible. I think we found almost a cure for it, at least in a lot of the first worldy parts of the world. Um, what the fuck was that image? Is that a oh? It just has his nubs for hands. 
Um, so, uh, which this is nice that we are, we are sending it back on the guy who was like, I told you we're not taking fucking payment from this guy. We're not fucking doing it. We cured his leprosy. He was pretty cool about it. He would have offered us something, but we cannot take anything. And he's like, fuck that. And takes two talents and been like, well, guess what? You're two talents of silver richer as well as you have a fuck ton of leprosy on you. So enjoy. Um, and apparently he did because he walked out of there being a, a crazy leper being purely white, apparently, and with, not to be, you know, cruel in this, but, um, you know, with a bunch of people in Syria who happen to have darker skin than, say, dumb white me, suddenly a very assumingly pasty white suddenly is probably going to be very like, holy fuck, um, the hell's wrong with him? Um, so, yay, you know, things are punished correctly, I think, in this one. Um, so let's move on. Uh, Second Kings chapter 6. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell uh, with thee is too straight for us. We want it gay. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there uh, where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. He's like, All right. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So they're like, hey, uh, is this, are you coming with us or is this a, uh, you know, you suddenly get leprosy thing. Uh, so he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. And as uh, one was fall, uh, felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed and fucking go get it. Uh, so this guy's like, fuck, I was cutting down a tree and this thing fell in the river and I borrowed it and I, and I want to give it back and fuck. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he shewed him the place, and he cut down a stick, and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. That's pretty cool. Therefore, said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Then the king of Syria warred against... <laughs> this is suddenly a change. Um, anyway, uh, there's an image here that looks pretty cool. Um, okay, so he... All right, we, we pulled an axe head out of the water. Uh, then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou come not to such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place uh, which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Oh, well, so he was like, Fuck you, leper curer. <laughs> axe wrangler, um, and <laughs> was like, eh, it'll be fine. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not shew me which of us is for the king of Israel? Uh, sure. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go, and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Cool, what a neat little place, right by Jordan, right? Therefore sent he hither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encompassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Being like, well, I, I just woke up too, man. The coffee hasn't fucking hit me yet. 
And he answered, Fear not, for they will, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Ooh. That's pretty cool. I like that line. Uh, King, Second Kings two, uh, six sixteen. Fuck yeah, being like, there's more of us than there are of them. Being like, oh, there seems to be a lot more of them. Being like, I'm gonna set some shit on their fucking asses. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Oh shit. So he's like, hey, man, I want to see through the sight of God. Oh, there is a button. There is a fuck ton of people. Um, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Elisha's doing a pretty good job in this fucking thing. Like, smite them, O mighty smiter. Kaboom. Everyone's fucking blind. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way. Oh, whoops. Um, yeah. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. Ooh, how smart is that? This is not the city. Thank God for illiteracy. And it came to pass, when they uh, were come unto Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink, and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. Uh, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the lands of Israel, being like, I can blind you motherfuckers. And guess what? When you're blind, I can eat you anywhere. And it came to pass after that, this, that uh, Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, went up and besieged Samaria, and went, fuck these guys, okay. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. Oh, shit, sounds expensive. And the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. So, like, bird shit sold for a lot. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? Ha, 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 ha. Ah, you peasant, um, wino. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. Holy fuck. So we boiled my son. Holy shit. And did eat him. God damn. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. So I fucking took a knife. <laughs> and it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes. Ah! And he passed by upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth uh, within upon his flesh. Cool. It's, oh, it's not silk. Uh, then he said, God do so, and more also to me. If the heads of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. 
But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See you how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What shall I? Uh, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? Oh, it seems like Elisha's like, eh, changing a bit. That was a pretty metal little chapter, right? That was that was a big old change from what we have been more or less used to. Um. So, yeah, here we are. We're in a kind of a cool little place because Elisha's being a prophet. They're like, fuck that prophet, even though we totally helped my guy just like a little bit ago. Uh, how how the mighty forget, it seems, is is the, the Bible's real tagline. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's where we're going to leave it today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. You can send me an email at accordingtostupid at gmail.com and on the Twitter sphere at accordtostupid uh, on the Twitter. And thank you so much. And uh, you've been gospel to by the stupid. <laughs>